Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Coming to you for the Church Planner podcast in front of a Starbucks. And a Bubba's Cupcakes. <laughs> <laughs> this is our second time doing this introduction. We made ourselves laugh so hard the first time. Uh, whose cupcakes are those? Those are Bubba's. Only Bubba doesn't <laughs> make cupcakes. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Mm, there's no reason it has to be funny. So, um, we don't really have much smack talk because we've been smack talking all morning long and now we're finally going to record the podcast. It's a little bit late. We actually were doing business this morning. We were actually, uh, yeah, we were were talking serious all morning. I guess. Yeah, we were. Who are we talking to? We were talking to the guys from Portable Church and... uh, You know what? You kept calling him Scott and his name's not Scott. What's his name? I'm just kidding. Scott Scott. Kugel, right? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Good, because... I've moved on a long way since the days when I used to meet with guys yeah. and uh, the small talk would annoy me and I'd be like, all right, man, what, why are we really here? And uh, I learned not to do that. So uh, how much money are you going to give to my church plan? <laughs> yeah, so uh, what's in it for me today? So on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about uh, what, Peyton? We're going to be talking about where are the profits. And this is if... Those and we're be... not talking about money profits. No. No, we're talking about profits with an E-T at the end. Phone home. <laughs> or in Spanish, E-T, telefonio me casa. But uh, we're going to talk about profits with an E-T, not an I-T at the end. And uh, if you read Church Zero, cha-ching, and I know you have, then uh, most of the comments I get back from uh, church planners is, man, I really need a guy... Like you described in there, that guy Jeff, who's a prophetic type leader, um, where can I get me one of those? 
And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But uh, we don't have our sound effects because we're actually mobile because we met this guy early in the morning. Pete and I are actually uh, on the road using the Zoom. And I'm just stopping because people are loud, man. Only we can be loud out here. Yeah, I'm wondering if, if the mic will pick it up. It won't. It won't, dude. I had a girl bump into me at Disneyland doing the, the Disney podcast. And she goes, sorry, right in my ear. And it barely picked up. So hopefully it's picking me up now. I know. That's what I'm kind of wondering. Okay. I'm going to speak louder now, eh? So uh, so, so, anyways, I got some smack talk to, just to kick off with. Well, before you get into the smack talk, let's just let everyone know that this particular episode has been brought to them by MoGiv. <laughs> M-O-G-I-V, Huntington Beach. What's so funny is uh, this week I was doing the treasury stuff for the church. I got Peyton on the phone. I'm like, Peyton, I need to look up the MoGiv account. How do you spell that again? <laughs> and I, like, put, I put an E on it I'm just like, to throw him off. I'm like, is there an E on the end? Now I can't remember. I've done the commercial so many times. So, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, MoGiv. They are an online and text-based giving platform built specifically for the needs of new and growing churches. So if you need uh, to get some online giving going for your church, you want to go to mogive.com forward slash choich and uh, get signed up. We use them and we love them. It's actually working out quite well for us. Like People are giving money online, Pete. Actually, they are. They're giving a lot. They, they are. It's actually working. So, And I actually just referred them. Uh, I'm on the board of directors for Apologetics.com, and they were looking at an online giving platform that was going to cost them $300 a month. And uh, I said, you guys got to go to MoGiv. And they did. Yeah. And uh, Pete even sang to them, M-O-G-I-V. And they appreciated that. That's not true. It's not true at all. But hey guys, uh, this Father's Day, if your family doesn't appreciate you and you're not doing anything, you can actually go, if you're in the LA area, to the uh, Staples Center. And uh, uh, basically, they've got a thing called Unify LA. And it's a get-together and gathering. Again, it's on Father's Day, so I mean, you know, that could go one of two ways. Your old lady tells you, hey, no way, we got plans for you. Or you can pull the, hey, it's Father's Day and I can do what I want card. But uh, anyways, if you want to go there, it's Unify LA, and it's anyways, it's a chance for guys to stand together um, and kind of show the support uh, for the black community over what's happened. But more importantly than that, it's even just about showing that, hey, as a church, we're united. Since we talked about that last week, it's actually a perfect opportunity for you to actually go and do something. If you've been frustrated by current events and all the stuff that's been going on, the Ferguson, the Baltimore, all that kind of stuff, and then the shooting this week, um, you know, you can you can definitely get there to the McKinney, Texas, all that stuff. If you're just like, look, man, I've had enough and I want to make a statement, they're going to be doing that. And you can go uh, online and uh, check it out at www.unifyla.com. And that, as far as I know, is being put on by the guys at Plant LA. Yeah, so uh, Jamie asked me, she goes, do you want to do anything for Father's Day? And I go, well, if I get the option... I'd kind of like to Pete, not do anything. Pete, this is a family podcast. <laughs> like, if I got the option, I kind of don't want to do anything with the family on Father's Day. I want you guys to go shopping like you always do and let me be by myself. And and what would you be doing by yourself? I usually go to the movies on Sunday. I saw Jurassic World last Sunday. 
I'm thinking I'm going to see it again on this Sunday. Yeah, baby. You should wait. You should wait and go with me in the next Sunday. I I probably would go see it again. It was that good of a movie. Wow. To me, best movie of the year. Avengers, nothing compared to Jurassic World. Sure. Loved it. Yeah. Loved it. Now, if so, Knight Rider came out, forget it. But. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 totally. We are seeing Knight Rider together. I don't think they're really making another movie. They're going to make it. It's going to happen, I guarantee it. So, hey, so what was the best movie of last, last year? I can't even remember what happened last week, and you're asking me about last year? I would say Guardians of the Galaxy and, and or Fury. You know, I would um, I'd probably say Guardians of the Galaxy... But I would definitely put on the list Fury as one of the best movies. Yeah. I, I've i been thinking about buying that one because I liked it so much. Yeah, definitely definitely own it already. But Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy in 3D on my uh, home theater system, 100-inch screen. Oh, Let me tell do you. you have that? Oh, yeah. Why have I not come over and watched it yet? Because uh, you live about 100 miles away. Well, I'm going to come over. That's there worth a 100-mile drive on your there TV. There you go. So, uh, so the smack talk I got this week is the wife and I have been watching the X Files on Amazon Prime, all eleven seasons on Amazon Prime for free, and uh, I am amazed how well that thing holds up after, gosh, man, twenty-two years ago, that show came out. So that show came out the year I went into ministry. It's crazy. And I looked at Andrea after seeing Scully's, uh, you know, her, what do you call them? Her, like, pantsuits or something? I'm like, hey, how come you don't wear those anymore? She still rocks that pantsuit, dude. What is, Scully. What did your wife say? <laughs> She's just teasing. She was, like, she was like commenting on her hair. It's fun to watch it. And, and amazingly, the show still holds up. The only difference with the show is that the music is a little bit corny, but the camera angles, uh, the way the story unfolds. I mean, their their acting's a little wooden in season one, but that show is still scary as heck. Um, remember that old uh, Bare Naked Lady song? He goes, uh, it's been one week since you looked at me. Remember yeah, that one? Yeah. So he goes, he has that one uh, kind of ditty in there where he goes, watch the X-Files with the lights off. Hope the smoking man's in this one. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, uh, we've been watching it and we're singing that, you know, as we're getting ready to put it on, we're goofing off. But uh, it's a good show, man. It still holds up. I've been thinking about watching that one again, but I think for me, looking at it and going, okay, it's 11 seasons. It just seems overwhelming. Yeah. Because it's not like 11 seasons of, you know, the shortened 13 episode seasons that like a lot of the cable stations got. This is 11 seasons of 22, 23 episodes. That's a, yeah. lo- that's a lot of TV, even for me. You know, there was one the other night. I swear it was more than an hour long because I fell asleep through the middle of it. Andrew said I missed a ton and I woke up and it felt like it still went on for an hour. Because I fall asleep now in front of the TV at night. Isn't I'm that old. What old people do. Yeah, I, dude, I'm old. How old are you? Forty-two. Yeah, that's forty-two old. blue. You know, I'm still in my thirties. You're thirty-nine, right? Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. So, uh, wow, that was a motorcycle. Yeah, that was loud. Yeah, I don't know if it made it into the podcast, but uh, you know, what we do now echoes in eternity, according to Gladiator. So, that may be true. Cool. So, um, is that all your smack talk? Because this will be the shortest smack talk we've done ever. Yeah, it wasn't. Didn't Mike Neal say, what is this, uh, no smack talk, 12 minutes of straight content? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he uh, he was really upset. And 
Yeah. On last week's podcast. Yeah, he was really upset because we got straight into the topic. Well, we were talking about something serious. We weren't straight into the topic. Yeah, we kicked off with something serious. Then we went into a bunch of smack talk. And I can't even remember what we were talking about at this point. No. Nor me. See, that's why you asked me what the best movie was last year. I don't even remember what happened last week. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. I'm going to say, man. I, it, the funny thing is I got all these guys that I'm working with right now with New Breed and different stuff. And they'll ask me, they'll be like, hey, so that, that video that you want, what was supposed to be on that? And I'll be like, what video? <laughs> hey, you know what? Why don't we actually give everyone an update on the Jump School video that they funded with Kickstarter? Because I'd like to know what the update is on that. Where are we at? Supposed to be the end of this month, so in about a week's time, we're hoping to have the uh, final uh, video cuts on it and um, have it wrapped up. That will be awesome. Yeah, it will. Yeah, it will. So it's going to be six. Originally, we had said seven or eight, but um, when it came through, it was going to be six. So it's now six of them. It can be a six-week study, uh, small group, whatever, for your core team. And uh, we'll have those. It's all World War II. Some of you guys have seen uh, stills on Facebook. You can actually watch uh, a very rough cut episode. Um, Every once in a while, I'll post that up there. I think we put it on the Kickstarter. Uh, If you Google Jump School Kickstarter, you'll see it. Um, But that that was before all the, you know, post-production magic was done. That was just him giving it a whirl. But, uh, yeah, it should be out soon. That's awesome. awesome. Yep, yep. So, uh, yeah, okay, well, cool. So, should we get into our topic? Great Scott, it's time <laughs> for this week's topic. <laughs> Great Scott. I can't do it any better. So, uh, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about where are the profits at. And, uh, again, uh, if you remember, in Fist Leadership, Ephesians 4, you got five different styles of leader. You got the apostolic guy. You got the prophetic guy. That's who we're going to be talking about today. You got your evangelist, you got your shepherd, and you got your teacher. And each one of those serves a different function on a leadership team. If you remember that three of those are postured to be outward focused, and the prophet is one of those guys. He's actually the guy who, uh, along with the apostolic guy, moves around a lot. Um, the evangelist does too, but he can also stay put. Um, prophetic guys can, but in the book of Acts, you often find that they're kind of like you know, as soon as the uh, apostolic guy takes a beachhead, the prophetic type guy comes around for encouragement. And particularly Acts chapter 13 to 15, you'll see them uh, factoring in heavily and prominently in those chapters uh, with the encouraging uh, ministry to, to church planners and church plants, the congregations. And um, and I've seen this work. I mean, I remember we planted... Uh, uh, in a in a very rough neighborhood outside of Pillar Church, which is the the first church that I planted in Swansea, Wales, back in 2006, and uh, the uh, the church that we planted out of that actually had a um, uh, they had a launch service. It was around Christmas. And the guy was going to be preaching on, you know, behold the virgin. And the, uh, Jeff, the guy from Church Zero, came during the launch. We were all there. We, we tended to support our churches heavily at a launch. And uh, he came there. And he, uh, before the sermon was preached, 
Jeff shared a prophetic word, and it was from that same passage, but the verses before. So not your typical, um, you know, behold, she'll, she'll, a virgin, she'll conceive and give birth. It was the one before that, and it was a promise of encouragement. And James, the guy who was planting the church, was like, man, he got tears in his eyes. He was like, you know what? Like, that's amazing, because I'm actually preaching on that passage next. It was like the first weekend of December. And uh, he saw this kind of encouragement. I've noticed over the years that that's what the prophetic type leader is is specifically geared for and gifted at. And so what happens is um, when you have a church planner often read Church Zero, he comes along and says, man, I could really use a guy like that. And the question that I hear more often than anything else is where are those guys, man? Like, like uh, I get teachers, I get evangelists, like I get those guys in my church, um, shepherds, I get the touchy-feely guys and want to disciple everybody and counsel them and work through their problems. I get those guys, and I think I might have an apostolic calling as a church planner, but where are the prophetic leaders? So where are they? Pete, where are they? <laughs> Every time I hear the prophets, all I can think of is Marcus Lemonis on uh, CNBC. He's got a show called The Prophet. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. It's actually a really good show. Jamie and I love to watch it. Jamie loves watching that? It's like Shark Tank. Well, Shark Tank's awesome, but Jamie actually loves watching The Prophet? Oh, yeah. She loves The Prophet, Shark Tank, Beyond Shark Tank, which so, is a new show you wouldn't know anything about. But, but wait, what? Beyond Shark Tank? Yeah. They go back and they uh, see where they're at. Oh, awesome. Yeah. You know, I Google those dudes when I'm watching Shark Tank. Everybody does. Yeah. And uh, sometimes you're like, oh, they went out of business. They had, well, that's the thing. They had this one guy on that, um, what's her name, Barbara, Barbara Corcoran, mm-hmm. had given 50 grand to. She'd invested in, you know, gave him 50 grand. And they had uh, a big party the the day the episode came on Shark Tank. Cost them about $50,000. <laughs> Their website crashed. They got no orders. It took oh, them like 10 days to gosh. get up. They ended up closing up shop. It was oh, like the man. quickest fail of a company on Shark Tank. That's horrible. It was like six weeks after the show aired, they were out of business. So note to self, do not throw $50,000 parties when you're church planning. We were actually talking about that this morning with Portable Church about uh, you know how much money some of these church plants get. And What I thought was funny was when he's like, yeah, they only give them like 50 grand. That's not enough. And I'm sitting there going, <laughs> 50 grand? I'll take us, it. Give us that money and <laughs> look at what we can do with it. <laughs> no kidding, right? So, so if you happen to have fifty grand and you're listening right now, and you're a prophet, hey, hey, rich guy, hey, prophetic rich guy that's into profit, I'm just saying, you might want to check a refuge uh, Long Beach's way. We're just saying. So, hey, so the answer to the question, well, first off, um, you have to under understand kind of what has happened in the body of Christ at large. Um, most guys that, that are apostolic, the, the trend is changing now, but it used to be if you wanted to be an apostolic guy, um, you just went to the mission field because domestic missions was was not really something that people talked about. I mean, now you got like the North American Mission Board, you got Stadia. With the church planning movement has come the rise of awareness of apostolic ministry because what a lot of people don't realize is when Paul became a missionary, he went home. Right? He didn't He didn't go to a foreign country. He went to Turkey. That's where he's from. And so the idea of domestic missions literally means just spreading the gospel where it's needed. And there are just so many pockets 
in America where uh, the gospel is still needed, particularly uh, inner cities, urban, rural areas, um, you know, Barstow. No, just joking. Just always got to bring up Barstow. But uh, like for us, Stanton, um, there's one English-speaking church in, in the city of Stanton. That's there. it? That's it. Because nobody starts churches there, and the old churches have died. I, w- I was at a, uh, a seminar this week, which is why I didn't do the hardcore church planning podcast with you. And um, this one guy was, it was a real estate seminar. It's one of my clients. And this guy is talking about how he had a condo that he was selling in Stanton. You know how much it sold for? No. 269000 And I was like, there is Holy something cow. that cheap. In Southern California, wow! I was literally blown away. When when people tell you that they live in Stanton, there's always like a little bit of shame attached to it because. And well, if you're in another part of the country and you're like, "Wow, what does two hundred sixty nine thousand get you?" You don't understand. In Southern California, that gets you Stanton, <laughs> not, <laughs> not a good place to live. Yeah, and so here's the deal: is like I was saying. Um, what what I'm the point I'm making is um, it used to be, and it still is primarily that only shepherds and teachers really have a role. I mean, it's very rare that you'll find a guy who's like, "I'm an evangelist," right? What we do is we we call the guy a pastor. We might say, "Oh, like you know, Greg Laurie or Billy Graham." You know, these guys are evangelistic, Louis Giglio, but we still call them the pastor. They're still the senior leader. We don't have the team. Uh, concept of leadership that the New Testament had that was necessary for spreading the gospel quickly. So guys could uh, move around quickly. They could interchange team members. They could go where they were needed. They, they could they could move distances within a network, go over to Ephesus for a while. Okay, I'm done there. Go to Corinth. All right, I'm not needed here anymore. Get some work done. And that was what was happening, like I said, in Acts 13 through 15. But, but what we have now is we have teachers. And if you can preach a mean sermon and you're pretty charismatic, you can be the senior leader of a large church. And that's the model we have. But we don't have these teams of guys that are equal leaders, but with different roles on that team. One guy's the prophetic guy. One guy's the church planning apostolic guy. One guy is the teacher. One guy is the shepherd. He, he, he disciples and uh, counsels people. We don't have that. We have pastors, assistant pastors, executive pastors, administrative pastors, youth pastors, and they're dedicated to running the machine and cre- keeping Christians happy. But the reality is um, in the early church, you had these prophets. And today I would argue that they have moved on to the Pentecostal charismatic circles. And because of that, um, the, the word-based movement, which is teacher-led, um, is really suffering a dearth. So when a guy picks up Church Zero and reads about it and goes, wow, man, I totally believe in that. And I would love to see that. Um, where are those guys? They're around. They're just in a different movement because what's happened in word-based movements is we've either theologically locked them out by saying we're cessationists and we don't believe the gifts are for today, or we've said, hey, you know, settle down, we don't do that here, or whatever. And unfortunately, what's happened is that the chasm between word-based guys 
and spirit-led guys or spirit-based guys um, has widened because when you get these two guys separated, the longer you get these two camps separated, the more that the word-based guys are afraid of the spirit-based guys and anything they do. It's seen as weird and loopy, but quite fairly, um, the longer this, this distance happens between the two, the weirder the spirit-based guys get because there was a balance when God designed it that the word-based guys were meant to keep the spirit-based guys grounded. The spirit-based guys were meant to keep the word-based guys, um, you know, kind of kind of hot rather than going cold, you know, kind of... kind of uh, Pushing them, pushing the limits. Yeah, pushing the limits. Like, actually, you know, kind of keeping them from drying up. There's an old maxim that says, you know, all, all word and we... Uh, uh, sorry, that, that big engine there. All word and we dry up. All spirit and we blow up. Together, we grow up. So word and spirit, if you marry those two, it's it's kind of like, uh, oh, I'm trying to think now. It's kind of like peanut butter on one hand, good, right? Jam on another hand, good. But you put them together, you got a PB and J. And so that's what guys are tapping into when they're I think reading you Zero. do chocolate and peanut butter. Yeah. Because that's a better... Yeah, no, no, true, true. You can OD on too much peanut butter. <laughs> you can even OD on too much chocolate. But you put the two together, it's heavenly. All I know is it didn't seem like a natural fit to put peanut butter and jam together on a sandwich. Like, that was a weird idea. It really Whoever was. first thought of that, was like, that must have been people going, ew, gross. You remember that old Reese's Pieces uh, commercial? where it's like uh, pre-Bible times, and they're like, oh, wow, this is great, chocolate and peanut butter. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, we got to tell Noah. He loves chocolate and peanut butter. And then the other guy goes, eh, we'll tell him after it stops raining. <laughs> and so the world had to wait. That's awesome. Yeah. Sorry. Go on with you. No, you know what? My, my, my favorite comic right now, my favorite cartoon in existence, is the one where it shows uh, Paul in prison, and he's writing, you know, he's writing one of the epistles, and he goes... And there was given to me a thorn on my side, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And then chained up next to him is SpongeBob. And he's like, hey, Paul, hey, Paul, what are you writing? Anything interesting there, Paul? What you thinking, Paul? So great. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we so went off the rails on this one. I know, I know. But but here's the deal is, you know, it's kind of like when Jesus comes to the the parable of of the wheat and the tares and he goes, an enemy has done this. We were never meant to be separated. And, and Satan has come and separated uh, to, to the point of I've almost never seen Christians get nastier as over the, the Holy Spirit. And I get it, man. I get that, like, you know, when, when a word-based guy goes, hey, spirit-based guy, you're making us look bad, man. Like, you're embarrassing. You're like the drunk uncle, man. But at the same time, sometimes these guys make us look good. When a miracle's done, I'm sorry about that. that <laughs> Miracles in the New Testament were for signs um, that people would believe. That that literally, okay, in one sense, they weren't for signs. You know, Jesus is like, hey, a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. Um, and that's true. But we live in a wicked and adulterous generation. The, the, the sin in that that Jesus was talking about was for believers to need a sign. If you're a believer, you don't need a sign. You have faith. But for non-believers... Um, it does testify. Whenever you read about a miracle, um, there's always a sermon afterwards. You know, Peter does that miracle, 
at, at the, the gate called Beautiful, um, the temple in Jerusalem, and then he preaches right afterwards the name of Jesus. And that's the pattern that happens in the New Testament. So prophets don't always make us look bad. You know, they, they often make us look good. And so, you know, the, the question that, well, I'll, I'll shut up for a second, then I'll move on to, to what the next question I think is on this topic. Peyton, so uh, what's the next question on this topic? <laughs> it, it was to give you a, a, a place there to, to talk. I appreciate that. So what is the next question on this topic? <laughs> so it's funny you should ask that, Pete, because I was actually thinking that I'd really like to get to the next question um, and talk about that for a bit. Let's do that. Okay. All right. Well, that's a great idea. Thanks for pointing that out. Um, so the the question then naturally is, well, where do I go? Okay, so you've told me, like, where are they? But how do I go get them, right? Uh, been been with you long enough, Pete. It's not good just to talk theory. we got to talk about, okay, what do I do then? What do I do next? And the, the reality is um, you're probably going to have to go get them because, and that means you're going to have to step over into the Pentecostal charismatic camp to go get these guys. You're not going to be able to just, you know, very rarely what happens is a guy who is a prophetic guy. What? What? I was just thinking our conversation this morning about about when, you know. So I can actually see your face now. So I was like, what's that smirk about? No, I was laughing because I'm thinking you said, you know, you got to go get these guys. And I'm thinking back about our story about San Pedro and getting permission and... <laughs> It's it's a long story, guys. I wish Peyton hadn't seen me smirk because it doesn't really fit with this topic. But uh, anyway, well, it, it is kind of funny, but because uh, we laugh at it. Sometimes you gotta things. go into camps where you're not wanted, where uh, you know it's gonna be a rough uphill battle. But uh, you know, well, and so here's the deal. Hey, what do you mean by going into the camp? So, I mean, like, you know, maybe you're in, like, a Presbyterian church or an EV Free or a Southern Baptist or a Calvary Chapel or, gosh, man, don't get offended if I didn't mention yours, a Lutheran, a Methodist, I don't care. But anyways, you're, you're in some camp, and you guys, you never see things of the Spirit. You never see these things bust loose. Well, you might need to go to a charismatic, you know, maybe step into an AOG, Assemblies of God, maybe step into a... Uh, a vineyard or, you know, every once in a while you find guys that are disillusioned from those movements and they start poking around word-based because they're feeling the same as you. They're feeling, well, this has become a three-ring circus and these people are all acting crazy and they get off on acting more and more crazy. Well, that's because the balance was taken away by separating the teacher. The teacher and the prophet balance each other out. The, The prophet and the apostle, man, they unite on mission. The apostle usually takes the lead, and the prophetic guy is the encourager. But what they do for one another is incredible. But the teacher balances out the prophet, and the prophet fires up the teacher and gets him out of theory and into practice. Hey, you're talking to me? You're teaching on this? Have you done it? That's what prophets really do is they stir up the gifts, and they get people to actually practice uh, the, the spiritual gifts and step out in faith. And so it, it, it has a really dynamic impact 
on a church. And many word-based guys are feeling the lack of this, but you've got to go and make friends with people in the Pentecostal charismatic movements. And often what will happen is when those guys come out of those movements into a word base, on one hand, they're going, ah, this is so refreshing because I am getting solid teaching. I never understood this, or I've never seen the Bible cracked open like this before. It's a two-way street of encouragement. And, and much of what they've practiced, they start seeing the biblical precedent for. Um, but in some cases also, they will challenge you on things. You know, they, they, like for example, like faith. Uh, we've all had the reaction to the faith movement to the point where we almost negate faith at all. But there, there is, although the... Explain to me the faith movement. So the faith movement would be the idea that, um, you know, God... Uh, you know, God wants to heal everybody, but you have to have enough faith. So the reason that your kid dies or you got sick was because you didn't have enough faith. Well, that's a bunch of hogwash, right? Um, Paul pleaded three times for the thorn in his flesh to be taken, and God said no. So, um, you know, everybody who was healed by Jesus eventually got sick and died again. You know, that's just because, you know, we're under the curse of the fall. But God does heal people today. But but there is teaching in the scripture that faith is very important when it comes to asking God for things. And we can negate that. We can actually, I think a lot of the people within the evangelical movement would do well to pay attention to those scriptures about faith, but without imbibing the errors of the faith movement, kind of, you know, the false theology. But there is a theology there of expectation, if you want to call it, if it doesn't weird you out as much to, to use the word expectation instead of faith. I did a series once called Expectancy, and it was all the places if a man asks, let him, let him believe and not doubt. I mean, there's, you know, that's from one of the epistles. There's all kinds of places in the scripture we hear that. But, but again, you know, I would be challenged by a guy who's charismatic, who's operating the gifts, because faith is very important to what he does. But I've served with guys who have challenged me in that area. Like when you prayed for a person to, to, to uh, get healed, did you actually expect for God to do anything? You know, kind of like the little boy that uh, prayed for uh, his sister to come to faith with the elders of the church. They said, well, let's pray, you know, for your sister. And as they, uh, as they, they, they bowed their head in prayer, they heard these footsteps running out the door and they went, hey, where are you going? We're, and he goes, well, if my sister's going to faith, going to come to faith, I sure want to be there to see it. That that's expectancy, right? So when you ask God to move, you expect for Him to hear you. That doesn't mean that it's a hundred percent fail safe, blah blah. That's a whole other teaching. But my point is, it's going to be a two way street. But you are going to be able, like Apollos, who was a powerful evangelist in the early church. You will have the role of Priscilla and Aquila sitting down with that individual, explaining to them the way of God more accurately, right? That's what they did with Apollos. He was being used crazily by God to lead people to faith. He was an evangelist, but there was a lot he didn't understand scripturally. And they had to sit down, since they had traveled with the Apostle Paul, they had to sit down and explain it to him. And then his ministry became even more powerful. That's the two-way street that we have, because at the same time, the prophetic guy is going to come into your midst, and he's going to stir people's gifts up. And that is going to have a huge impact on your church. 
So we have in our COGS, whenever we get prophetic leaders, um, we have them visit the different COGS. We don't have them settle down. So Mike Berry visits the two COGS right now, and he cycles through them, and he, he brings a new dynamic to that. But you'll have to actually go get the uh, Pentecostal charismatic guys. And one of the huge dangers um, is if they've come from a background that has those uh, false teachings or things. You know, there's been a lot of weird movements. There's been a lot of uh, uh, strange stuff that's come out uh, from the, the charismatic Pentecostal church. And a lot of it, if you can not be angry at it, not be, um, you know, fed up with it, not be hostile towards it, and start from a, a posture of understanding that deep down, these are just people that want to experience as much of God as they can. And maybe they've turned off some of their uh, discernment, you know, just in, in a wild, reckless abandon to experience as much of the Spirit as possible. That's a danger. That's why Paul said, don't quench the Spirit. But in the very next verse says, but test the Spirits to see if they're from God. We have to always walk that middle balance. But I would say most word-based churches are in danger of quenching the Spirit. Um, you know, they, they test the spirits to where they quench it. And Paul's saying you, you need to not quench it. Anytime something spiritual, whoa, 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 we don't believe in that. Or, or whoa, whoa, we're scared. You know, we don't, we don't want that here. Um, we don't allow the Holy Spirit stuff to come around here. Um, well, you are the gatekeeper as a leader, and you need to be sensitive to whether or not you're quenching the spirit. When you get a prophetic leader in, those are things that will become more of an issue. What we do is we opt for security and safety, and we never have those guys around. We read Church Zero Cha-Ching, we hunger for it, but we don't want the hassle of it. What about the reverse of that? <clears throat> Let's say someone's listening to our podcast who's from the charismatic movement. How do they find the teacher guy? Well... They would find the teacher guy, I would suppose, kind of like a punk rocker, would find an engineer. <laughs> you know okay. what I mean? No, not a clue. So so a punk rocker, you know, picture him, he's got his mohawk, he's rocking his Doc Martens, you know, he's got all of his tats. And then he stands next to an engineer who's like, technically, um, actually the, the velocity of a, you know, and he starts giving formulas and talking about the rules and all that kind of stuff, um, the way things ought to be, and give me a five-point outline and... You know, they just see him as like, you are so boring and so square, and I'm going to die of boredom if I don't see God move. And so there's this this activity and excitement of going to a punk rock show and climbing the speakers and doing a stage dive and crowd surfing and getting in fights. And that's, that's the prophetic ministry. And you, you can clip the wings of your prophetic leaders if you just make them do all the boring church stuff all the time. That's not what they're made for. They're made for the front lines. And so the, the, they, they feel— I get what they're made for, but what I'm saying is, well, where do you find them? Like, if you're the charismatic guy, if you're the punk rock— Oh, right. And you're trying to—you know, you, you've been called to plant a church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where do you go out there and find your apostle— Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, because a lot of our listeners are actually from charismatic Pentecostal backgrounds, and they would agree. Like, I, I've been in these circles for long enough that uh, they would laugh and say, yeah, we got the drunk uncles in our movement, too. And uh, and these are extremes that we're talking here. But, um, yeah, I mean, you would go to places like the denominations I mentioned earlier, E.V. Freeze, Southern Baptist, you know, Calvary Chapels. So when Chapels. you say, you know, you go to these, what do you mean by that? Like, to me... 
That's so ambiguous, it means yeah. nothing. Does so, it mean we go to the conference and I just start meeting people? Yeah. Does it mean That's one I, way. I start attending their church and I start like picking off the yep. the leaders going, hey, oh, you want to plant a church? You want to plant a church? You want to plant? I mean. Yeah. So what what you do is first thing you pray. Because if if I tell you how to, like when people ask me, how do I, how do I build a core team? And it, it's not lip service to say, well, you don't. God does, right? Because I don't care how many times I built a core team. It's kind of like we, Pete and I told our story how we met today. Um, it was the whole God, you know, and it came it came out of prayer, came out of season in my life where I was just praying about direction and the next steps. And um, and the first thing you do is you you say, God, help me build a team, you know, and and you talk to God. You know, when we were dealing with stuff with um, where we're in a, a 50% African American neighborhood. I remember kind of saying to God, like, God, I, I, I don't want to have all white leadership here. Um, and I don't want to have an all white congregation. Um, I'm starting to get people from the, from the black community. Help me, Lord, to navigate this because I'm a poor white boy from Orange County. And, uh, and I don't entirely know what I'm doing on this front. And, uh, and God just helped me. I mean, there were things God spoke to me. Um, I can't fully explain what happened next, but needless to say, um, God just started doing what he does. And we are where we are today with our church. And, um, and, and we're not hurting for people within the African-American community to come and call our church home. And um, we're raising up leadership and recruiting leadership, you know. But some of those conversations about recruiting uh, African-American leadership and raising that up, that has been totally God. But, but anyways, what I would do is I would Google the churches in my neighborhood that were, say, like, uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm in Long Beach and I'm like, hey, I want to, I would first think, well, what are the churches around here? Then I would go meet with the pastors there and I would say, hey, I would tell them, look, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a word-based, you know, boy from such and such church. And I read this book called Church Zero, got to represent, cha-ching. And uh, no, but I would tell them what you're feeling and say, look, I believe in a balance of leadership. And some guys will tell you it can't work. And no, it's not possible. You word-based guys and spirit-based guys, they can't. Well, Paul seemed to think they could, and the New Testament thinks they could. And I was told that when I first started church planning, because I had this belief. And um, it was just how God built my team. And I remember telling a, a mentor of mine, a guy I really respected, a guy who was a hard-bitten church planner in Liverpool, one of the roughest neighborhoods in Liverpool, had been a church planner in France and Belgium and had my respect. I mean, that that's hardcore church planning. And he had done it in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And he was an old guy and he told me it's not possible. And, uh, but I stuck to my guns because I saw it in the word. And so it didn't matter to me what he said. And you'll have guys try to dissuade you, tell you it's not possible. But you meet with that pastor and you say to that pastor, look, um, do you have anybody that you could chuck my way in? You might be the answer to that guy's prayer. He might have been praying, you know what, I got this guy, he's immature, he's this and that. He really is a church planner. Yeah. I'm going to give him the worst. Well, well, and that's often what will happen, is often what will happen in in that scenario is you'll be given um, the the, the rejects of other people, or you'll be given the guy that um, maybe he's the problem child in the charismatic movement where he's too much of a balance of word and spirit already, and they don't know what to do with him. 
I mean, it, it could be totally opposite. It could be like, you know what? I have my protege, guy, boom, boom, boom. I've been praying. I was just asking the Lord. Um, you know, I'm not going to retire for 20 years. We don't have uh, the position for him. But you start by just building relationships with people in the charismatic Pentecostal movement. And you just share. I, I always find honesty is the best policy. Just tell them what you're, what you're feeling and see what they say. And normally they'll smile because I have found over the years, many people from a charismatic uh, background uh, have made that pilgrimage. I've similarly met people in a word-based uh, church that, that started off Pentecostal because the Pentecostals are awesome on evangelism. And they're like, but after a while, I just got hungry for more of the word. And I heard such and such teacher on the radio, but you have got to be the one kind of bridging the gap and reaching out to them. And once that happens, you just have them come along and you, you need to have those conversations. You need to say, hey, let me tell you what we don't believe. So if you go to the New Breed website, um, you'll see on About Us, you should click on one of them. It'll say what we believe. And then you'll see a sub tab that says what we don't believe. Okay, and you can go there and check that out. You can copy it. You can, by the way, anything you ever see uh, as a church plan or something like that that's helpful to you, rip it off, take it. If you see one of our uh, churches, uh, Refuge Durham in um, uh, South Carolina, or is it North Carolina? Sorry. Uh, sorry, Phil. Uh, Phil Fiddler. He's, uh, he's got Refuge Durham, and he has ripped off our logo. He's ripped off our are so much stuff and that's what it's there for it's there to be ripped off man if why reinvent the wheel but uh but go there and, and check and, that out and let's face it the logo it's pretty sweet <laughs> it is sweet i'm kidding <laughs> you know you know pete how you're all about it's all about that logo about that logo about that logo pete mitchell is loco for logos let me tell you so here's the deal you know um Go rip that off, man, what we don't believe. And let me tell you, that was put there because when I started working with uh, people from different backgrounds, it was just as important to talk about what we don't believe as what we do believe. And so we put on there that we don't believe in the word faith movement. We don't believe, you know, and it went went through all the stuff we don't. I also put we don't believe in cessationism, you know. So when, hey, so when people uh, come to you, they're like, nope, I don't believe that. Um, or, you know, I do believe in that, that they know right away. You're like, hey, well, that's part of who we are. We don't believe that. And, uh, yeah. I dig it. Cool. Is that us done? Do we milk that cow? Yeah, we're done a little bit early, but it's kind of loud out here. I don't think anyone's going to complain because we've given them great content. <laughs> great content, baby. Great content. It's all about that. That's what happens. We don't have a lot of smack talk. Mike Neals, please forgive us. And uh, that's about it. Yeah, we are. We're fighting motorcycles. And uh, what's really funny is I think we've we've already kind of driven away a few moms with strollers that <laughs> sat down next to us. And after a few minutes, we're like, oh, crap, what's this? So they've moved. So that was good. They're talking about that freaky stuff. <laughs> it's all about that. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, we should also mention that this particular podcast episode was brought to you by SimplifyChurch.com. And uh, what do they do, Peyton? They simplify your church. They make church life much simpler. Hey, uh, who's simplified church for? What kind of pastor? For the non-math pastor, apparently. (laughs) And uh, that is a brilliant turn of phrase, by the way. It really does something for me, Pete. Wish we could find the person that thought that up. Um, You know, one thing I will say is you are absolutely the non-math pastor. Oh, my gosh. 
I, you know what? You know what's funny? Okay, I got to tell this story. This is a true story, guys. All right. So, Peyton has made me the treasurer of the church. I finally get access online to the bank account so I can look in there, see what's been cashed, what hasn't been cashed, what hasn't been cut, all that type of stuff. So, last month, I'm trying to get from Peyton how much money does the church have? And he's like, I don't know. When it says online, it just tells me how much we've got. Like, the number. I go, well, do you see this taken out? It doesn't say anything like that. It doesn't give me a breakdown of what's been cashed. And I'm like, what are you talking about? So he's like, well, it was really difficult to find, and I finally found it. So yesterday or two days ago, I log into the account for the first time ever. And I'm like, how could he not see this? It's literally, you you click it, and up comes the list of everything that's been taken out, everything that's been put in. And I'm like, wow, he really is the non-math pastor. Hey, and I found it after that first phone call. But, man, it was tough. I It you was know, not tough. It it's was, a blue hyperlink. It's blue. <laughs> you click it. That's it. You click one button. Hey, for a guy, let me tell you something. I bank with Navy Fed. Let me just tell you, they make it easy. They have pictures. They have bright colors and shapes. I love it. This was like looking at a spreadsheet. Yeah, and they got this hyperlink that says, like, our account name. And I'm like, okay, you know, but I know I had to click through. I, I was like. It was blue with an underline. It was in the dashboard. But anyways, we did figure it out in the end. But uh, in fairness, we've only, we had just started using that account like that month. Like within a few weeks. That was my first time it on the website. It was blue and hyperlinked. But my point is, Simplify Church, <laughs> it is made for the pastor like Peyton, who's better off on the mission field than actually doing <laughs> The church stuff. It's true, and I can't deny it. I have to say, it, it, it is like pulling. I would rather go to the dentist and have my teeth drilled than deal with church finances. And, like, literally anything techie, too. I mean, it really, most of you guys are not going to be as sorry as me on that kind of stuff. It's bad. I get math anxiety. But uh, if, if you are the kind of guy where you're like, look, I don't even want to begin to think of it, and you're just pulling the, your, your covers over your head and going back to bed hoping your church finances disappear, ain't going to happen, man. So simplifychurch.com, and uh, it's the answer to your prayers. There you go. And uh, why don't you go ahead and sign us out? Well, remember, guys, this has been the Church Planter Podcast reminding you that if you want to reach the ones no one's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com.